Hello folks, how are you going? And welcome to another episode of Daughter Talks. My name's Adam Jacobs, and I'm preparing myself for the conversations I will inevitably be having with my lovely little girl, Aoife Daisy Jacobs, when she's old enough. She's only nine weeks. Nine? She's not even three months old yet. Oh, gosh. Not that I'm panicking. I'm not saying to myself, oh, there's a whole bunch of really awkward conversations I've got to have with, with my daughter, and I have no idea where to begin. So I'm just going to start, uh, I'm going to give myself a decade and maybe even a decade and a half or even more than that to prepare. Hey, when it comes to having the awkward conversation, it doesn't matter if you're talking to daughters or sons or you're you're a mum or you're a dad, there's always, expect the unknown, expect the unexpected. I was expecting the unexpected and it didn't happen. Uh, That's an old joke of mine. I was expecting the unexpected. It didn't happen. It took me by surprise. It wasn't expected. Mind you, I should have seen it coming. So, hey, there it is. Uh, it's a good one. I remember that, Jack. Yeah, funny. All right, anyway. So, yes, it's not going to be easy. There's going to be curly ones. There's going to be the unknowns. People are going to... She's going to... Your son, your daughter, they're going to say things, frame things, ask things in awkward ways. And you just got to be prepared. Now, this is not the podcast. I'm not going to be explaining, the, I'm rehearsing the conversation I'll have with my daughter when I explain to her how to peel a potato or how to get a bit more life out of her student ID card so she can continue to travel on the, on the train for cheaper. That's, that's my any child of mine will know how to do that not that I'm encouraging anyone to break the law I'm not it's just a joke I'm not being serious no I my first podcast was about uh, you know when my little darling daughter Aoife Daisy Jacobs comes to me and says dad why do people love to hate why do they like doing it that was the first podcast and I had to split that in two halves because I got some feedback from people and they said, Adam, that's interesting. You might want to just reframe it, rephrase it, say it again, slow it down, because I think it's important. And I said, hey, I'm hearing you. Consider it done. So I'm not going to say my topics are obscure. They're just a little bit more psychological as they say. For instance, I need to be prepared when my little girl comes to me and says, uh, Dad, why do I get envious? Why do I get jealous? Why do I want uh, what other people have? Why do I covet? As they say in the scriptures, and they do say that. And it's not always easy. It's not an easy question to answer. It's not an easy dimension of ourselves to understand because we all feel a little bit of like oh that'd be nice we all suffer a little bit from the grass is greener now the grass is always greener on the other side it is often because there's no one directly on the other side of the fence eating that bit of grass that you're looking at because there is somewhere else in the paddock looking over 
a different fence at another patch of grass, which is probably on your side. The point is that when you look over the fence to see that the grass is greener for someone else, generally we don't, we don't picture somebody else actually eating the grass. In fact, there's usually just grass. And that's the reason why it's greener, because no one's eating it. <coughs> so what does, that, what does that tell you? It tells you that wherever it is that you are on your fence line, wherever you are on your fence line, you are by yourself. Your journey is already unique. Someone on the other side of the fence hasn't noticed that they've got a patch of green grass. You're sitting there looking at it going, if I was there, I'd be eating that. Now, if they did see the grass, the patch of green grass on the other side, then they'd be eating it, wouldn't they? And then it wouldn't be there. And then you wouldn't be looking at it. And then there'd be no grasses greener on the other side. What do we take away from this so far? Well, everyone's journey is unique. Wherever it is you're standing on your fence line, doesn't matter if you're looking at your own grass or somebody else's, you are the only one occupying that space. You're the only one there. You're the only one who can fit in that space where you are standing looking at grass. No one else, it's physically impossible for there to be a replica of that situation involving you and someone else. Involving someone else in exactly the same time and space. It just can't be, it's not possible. So everyone's journey is, according to the laws of the physical universe, unique. Then why is it that we do want what other people have or we ask ourselves, oh, that's a great opportunity here. When is that going to happen for me? Except in the first instance, that whatever happens for you is going to be unique to you and will not, for which there is no precedent There's core mechanisms at play that do enable many people to, uh, to be in a position to achieve apparent success. In other words, there are some accepted pathways that allow people to possibly demonstrate their potential but there are still too many variables at play really for anyone to say I want that exact thing that happened to that person or that exact thing that that person's got I want to have it because the, the acquiring of that thing inevitably will be skewed, will be informed, will be swayed by your own dynamics, by your own 
habits. And it'll never be something that you acquire strictly the way that somebody else has. So, you can't ever, regardless of what it is, you can't ever actually obtain what other somebody else has. It's like your place in the fence. It's impossible for two things to occupy the same space at the same time. It's the fundamental rules of the universe. Mate. So. It's physically impossible. That's the thing you need to remind yourself, which leaves you asking the question, so then why do I feel like I want to have that thing and I want to, even though it's impossible literally to have it and and the pursuit of it will probably leave me leave me in a totally different direction anyway and I will ultimately lose interest in the original objective all right now this week I'm starting to get close to it I'm starting to get close to it the reason why we feel jealousy and we feel the want to have and to need and to acquire what others are in possession of. Whether it's looks, new car, clever words, nice jacket, pair of socks, happy family. Whatever it is, is because we have a responsibility to the group, to the clan, to the tribe, to the species, to set a standard, to set a standard. And we do this, we people, we've referred to them historically and through all other, it's a timeless dimension, timeless. But historically, we refer to it as icons, icons. Iconoclast. And we create icons. That's what we've done. That was one of the biggest problems Muhammad had back in the day. There were too many icons in his area, which included villages run by, well, just hundreds and thousands of people all spread out, living in little clusters and villages, all run by chieftains, and it was a very confusing mix of conflicts. But people would just create idols, just create gods. In fact, when Muhammad came along and said, look, there is only one God, there's only one God, people, come on now, really, come on, there's only one. And he went into the sacred space and he cleared out all the idols, all the all the statues, people who created. There was something like 360, there was almost one God for every day of the year to recognize and celebrate and whatever it might be to help solve all sorts of weird problems and issues to do with, you know, my pig won't get pregnant or my crop's not growing, you know, all this stuff. There's a God for every little indi- individual thing. There's an aphid God, probably. He had a, 
I had to get rid of the aphids. God. There was. It was quite strange, quite strange. But it's the tendency that we have to create icons. And of course, one of the you know, greatest icons that we accept today, and it's not the only one, but there's obviously pretty significant, is the Jesus Christ on the cross. Jesus on the cross. I mean, what an iconic, iconic image. That's what they say. Iconic image. And it's an ideal. That's the, that's the point I'm getting to here. Iconic ideal. It's an ideal. We look at that and we say to ourselves, he was pure of heart, pure of intention, selfless. He sacrificed everything he had with nothing by way of reassurance except for his except for his faith, his blind faith in many ways. Mm. And we look at that and we think, why can't I be as convicted and as 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 adjusted to the point where I'm not so needy among other things. So we look at people like Jesus and other people and we have when we create them we represent them in art and in all sorts of other ways through branding advertising does it really well through branding we depict them in an ideal state we idolize them by creating a purified version of who they were or are or is or whatever. So it's not, it's a bit of a, it's a sort of, it's sort of a lie. It's sort of a lie. I'm not necessarily saying Jesus, the way Jesus is represented is, in, is incorrect or untruthful, deceptive. That's another conversation for another time. I'm talking more about the everyday icons that we encounter and we are bombarded with them every day. In fact, in recent times with Instagram and what have you, we now have a kind of moment-by-moment opportunity to appreciate the the perfect, the, the ideal Example of what it means to be you. We create perfect versions of ourselves to celebrate in society. And Instagram's full of fit young things, so I hear, telling the world how perfect their life is. Today I'll get up and I'm going to meet a friend at brunch to have a coffee. Now, and then, then we got the photo of the coffee cup and the two hands. Now we don't find out till some other time when once she's or he or whatever gone through some depression or whatever that she was visiting friends at the cafe. She was working at the cafe for three dollars sixty an hour, and the coffee cup 
was a stock image from their Gloria Jean's website. Or four bucks, as Seinfeld says. You know what I mean? It's an exaggeration. And we don't want to say lie. We don't want to say lie. Because we do it all the time. That's what celebrities' culture is about too. That's why we look at the actors and Hollywood and models and, and all that. And, and we have forced them to be constantly per- perfect to present themselves as we would like to see ourselves to be. Of course, it's unsustainable, and often they'll become alcoholics or drug drug addicts, and or they'll get fat, and you know, whatever. It's not necessarily the case, but sometimes the pressure that we, as a as an audience, place upon our icons is so extreme that it's it's impossible for the actual person to meet the standard and to fulfill the requirements. And it's unfair pressure to place upon somebody. So when you're on the bus and you're looking at the aftershave commercial and you see the fit young dude with his six pack out, that's society, that's all of us through the medium of advertising, we're basically saying to everyone, this is the goal. This is the objective. This here, this dude. That's where we need to go with this. It's got nothing to do with aftershave. It's basically us going, we all need to be like this. And some of us do try. Many of us do try. And as a consequence, often... All we end up doing is just becoming a little fitter and we lose a bit of weight and we don't have to go to hospital and be, have our sicknesses fixed up because we've got good cardiovascular and we don't eat too much sugar. And as a consequence, society is a little bit more sustainable in terms of its health management. And we're not spending money on, on hospitals and healthcare. And that is the byproduct success story of creating icons, iconic images. Is that some of us do try and lift ourselves, and as a consequence, we're a little bit more independent, we're a little bit more able to manage our well being without relying on other institutions and support services causing resource stress. You get me? You know what I'm saying? Now, of course, there's always that. That's the most of us. Most of us end up sort of doing something like that. But there's always the small number of others who take it too far and then they end up with things like anorexia and plastic surgery addiction and taking steroids and all that. You know, it's a small group of... You know, and that's because, we're once again, we're talking about our instincts. All of this subconscious moulding that we do of our, uh, of our images whether it's through models or actors or you know biblical representations of of, uh, of people who were 
I don't know. Our saviors, evidently, is, depending on being neutral. Here. However, it is that we have a, a, arrived at creating these these goalposts, fixing these goalposts in place, is a direct consequence of our urge and instinct that we have. And if you go back to the clan, the caveman clan, all running around, trying to firstly not be eaten by big critters, and secondly trying to kill the big critters so they could eat, eat them, there's no tolerance for weakness. There's no tolerance for, well, such and such, you know, he's, he's not pulling his weight and he's sitting it on the stone caveman couch watching the watching too much of the caveman paintings. Net, 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 Netflix. I was going to try and think of a, a play on words with Netflix and cave paintings. I'll come, it'll, it'll come to me. You know, so we need to ring... Uh, we need to provide him with a dietitian. Can we... Let's let's get on the Facebook. Let's get on the uh, caveman internet and find the barrier over there. A dietitian at sixty bucks an hour, or whatever the currency was back in those days. Like that's not possible for a caveman. Everyone's like everyone has to be up running around with their spears and whatever else, chasing down the critters, chasing down the animals. Everyone needs to be doing their little bit. And as a consequence, they, they were. They were a thick bunch of people. So, there you go. So, the... Uh, of course, it was way back then. It was way back in those days. We're the fittest and the strongest and the... The dude or girl who could get the most uh, resources, source the most resources for the tribe, were the ones who were celebrated and revered and recognised. Which was the group's way of saying, if we want to survive, we've got to all be more like this dude. And as long as the most amount of people strive to try and do that, then there's success is more likely. So it's imprinted in us, instinctually, instinctively, it's imprinted in us to look for a proc- ideal approximations of us. The problem arises when we simplify that, that ideal, and we start, and we say you know, all women should look like this, or all men should be like that. It's not possible to literally be someone else. It's like I've said, the laws of the physical universe don't allow it, uh, the same space and same time to be occupied simultaneously. It's just not possible. 
So the, the idea is that when we aspire to be something, it's with an understanding of our own purpose, our own intention. That's a different conversation for another time. The intention is never in its own right to achieve the ideal. That is never the intention. It's never our purpose to only be an example of perfection. Our purpose is to fulfill our our the our energy. We need to have the energy flowing in a way that grows positive things for everyone. We can't, we're not meant to walk around as as, a, as posters, poster people for what could be we are meant to actually manifest and be everything that our represent the representation of us suggests we are. Hmm. So when little Aoife Daisy Jacobs asks me the question, she says, Dad, why do I get envious? Why do I get jealous? You say to her, I say to her, love, because... That's your instincts, that's your desires saying to you, your journey's different. It's hard for you to understand why there's conflict here, why you shouldn't be trying to occupy the same space and the same time as somebody else. Because the reality is where you need to be is somewhere very unfamiliar to you. It's much easier to try and replicate, not even just imitate, but actually try to become something that's already familiar, even if it is occupied by someone else. So when next time you feel jealous and you feel envious, you say to yourself, oh, that's right, my path is different. That's, that's the, uh, my survival instinct telling me, look somewhere else, take what you need from that example that you find appealing, Parts of it are going to be useful to you, but your focus, the way that you guide your ship through the stream of time, is different to that person. It's different to the pathway that anyone else ever has followed. So avert your eyes. It's like Ulysses. 
listening to the sirens calling him. Hey? He knew that he'd want to follow them. So he forced himself to not be able to do that. But it was painful. It would have been so much easier to go, wow, those sirens sound beautiful. I want to be with them. And why wouldn't you want to be with them? But the reality is that his path was always different. His was a dynamic journey. The sirens are not quite so dynamic, so to speak. Right, so that's what I'll say to her. Accept the pain of acknowledging your desire for other, pe- to, for other people and their things. Take what you can, what you need from their journey, their story. Appropriate it. Learn from it. But understand that your actual journey heading towards something like what they have, what somebody else has, is very different. And when you achieve that success, you'll exist as an example for somebody else. And your journey and your story will be very different, will be very unique, and it won't be like anyone else. Hmm. Yeah, instincts are not always easy to manage. All right, well, I hope there was something in that for you all. That was 30 minutes. I spoke for 30 minutes. Wow. There'll be another episode of Daughter Talks soon. Bye.